Geek's Fluff. When word reached us on some distant battlefield that she, as prophesied, had been born of flesh and blood into our world, I felt a great warmth for the universe and trusted that she was to usher in a new age of peace and compassion and bring us home. She was magic. Ah, yes. She was more than magic. On the day of her coronation, she, along with our honored king and queen, were assassinated in cold blood by those they trusted most. I fear we lost some measure of our honor since that betrayal. I'm afraid our compassion, our kindness, our very joy died with that young girl. I think it lives in you. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are concluding our look back at some of the most terrible movies of 2023 with, let me get this title right, Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. No. Wait, no. No. Nope. Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. And here to help us is the world's foremost authority on all things Zack Snyder, the one and only Aaron Fox. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Hello. I'm happy to to try and help as much as possible as we um, look for the silver lining in this movie. <laughs> also, can we refer to you as a child of fire, Aaron Fox? <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. Because <laughs> Joel and I have been for years. We just yeah. finally decided to. It's so weird that, that movie came out with that name. Yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing. Yeah, I'll take that mantle up. Sure. All right. Great. Anything to help. Yeah. I, I think it might be more apt than anything in this movie. True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Leo. So at least there's like a fire connection there. This movie. <clears throat> Leaves many connections uh, to to further be explored. There isn't even fire in this movie. I mean, there's explosions, I guess, but those are like lasers. There's planet. There's like soil. No fire. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only thing wrong with it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess we should set it up a bit because we before we started, we were talking a little bit about this. And uh, I think the consensus among this group is we didn't all realize this going in. So maybe people listening don't know this. Although if you've watched it, you probably realized it pretty quickly. We should talk about the fact that this was the original idea for this came from Zack Snyder because he pitched it to Lucas Films right when they were selling to Disney. Oh, I, there's a hand. <laughs> yes. Not only because as loyal listeners know, I do my research. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did he pitch it to Disney um, like when that acquisition happened, 
He pitched it to Warner Brothers several times as a game and a movie, and then he <laughs> someone else as a TV show. Yeah, like he was like really in this movie's corner. Right. Yeah, this is his passion project, apparently. Yeah, but no. Originally, he he really believed that it would or could be a Star Wars film, and at the point where this would be like when they were doing The Force Awakens, like when they were trying to figure out how to continue on Star Wars, he thought this movie, the Rebel Moon uh, Child of Fire, was going to be the new Star Wars. Yeah, he wanted like a darker and more mature take on Star Wars at that time. Which, I mean, we're not at the silver linings, but imagining him pitching this to Disney gives me so much joy. Oh, that is a silver lining of this movie's production. (laughs) Of them trying to figure out, oh, he's serious. Oh my god! No, he means it. He thinks oh, this... Disney it bought Star Wars to make it darker. Like, can you imagine passing on that, and then you get a it uh, pops up on your Outlook like Zack Snyder Rebel Moon follow up meeting, and you're like, oh, we oh. already talked about this. Yeah, and then I also like to imagine the the when Zack Snyder's people had to reach out and be like, hey, look, we just want to make sure you guys don't have a problem. We're thinking of taking this idea out to Warner Brothers. And we just want to make sure that we don't have any legal problems and then being like, you know what? You can have it. <laughs> I'm just seeing the email between the the uh, CEO of Disney that Robert Iger sends to the CEO of Warner <laughs> Brothers being like, oh, my God, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, that email went to <laughs> Zazlavsboat at gmail.com as covered <laughs> in previous uh, and at least on my end, nothing but respect continued to Zack Snyder. Uh, this movie just maybe wasn't for me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and to be clear, I think if people go back and listen to our previous episodes, I think we're all pro Zack Snyder as a person on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, the position of the podcast is <laughs> pro Snyder. Yeah. As a human. Yes, for sure. <laughs> as a filmmaker. Mm. <laughs> Mm. It gets, yeah, it gets, it gets more complicated. It's a more mixed bag at that point. But I, I can't say I'm fully anti Snyder because I'm, if nothing else, entertained by him. Yeah. But uh, like the character E. Duffy in this movie, I'm a little non-binary in this regard. Ooh, ooh. Look at me bringing it back. Yeah. I. You know what's impressive? Not just the wordplay that you did there, but that you named a character in this movie. <laughs> And I think that's, that is shocking. Yeah, I didn't know any of their names until 90 minutes in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, the only reason I do is because this movie was so poor at holding my attention that I read the synopsis on Wikipedia like four times to like make sure I got it because no way was I watching this more than once. Right. Yeah. Which also probably a good time to mention as the normal with Snyder. This was what, two and a half hours, I think, runtime. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, two hours, 15. Yeah. Of a two-parter. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's no story to be told. <laughs> because he couldn't he couldn't get it down to to just... It was a rich world, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a rumor that there's a four-hour cut of this movie. Well, that's what I... I saw that too, but then I wondered if that's A, just because now Snyder cuts have become a thing, and B, do they just mean part two? I think there, people... There is an R-rated cut of this movie. That I would believe, but I... That- I I don't know that there's a four hour cut. I don't know if I believe that. I I think I would prefer the R rated cut 
if only for the fact that like in all of the fight scenes, it's like an unnerving lack of blood. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like there's like too little blood and it's weird. My spouse described it as a movie for middle schoolers. Yeah. But like, like pretty tough middle schoolers. Yeah, for sure. But like it's not there's but like Mormon middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like because I still feel like there's a fair amount of middle school parents who would not let them watch the the Star Wars knockoff that has a scene where a, a alien tries to buy one of our main characters for sex. I just think that might not fly. Or there's like attempted trigger warning child rape or yeah. there, like there's just a lot going on in this movie. Should we describe what happened in this movie instead of just yeah referencing well, the things that happened? Yeah, well Andy said that he read the Wikipedia three times, so I yeah. think you're up, Andy. All right, so uh you guys know star wars a new hope uh-huh it's that yeah but also seven <laughs> samurai which is also the magnificent seven so if yes. any of those films help but only like the first act of those movies right because it's part two so if people are familiar with either seven samurai the kurosawa film that then was remade into the magnificent seven they are both about the first one obviously being samurai the second one being cowboys that are all brought together, seven of them, to save a village. And this movie is about finding seven people, basically. Is it? I mean, they, they, uh, they are trying to assemble a team, for sure. They are trying. To, it, it is very much a, like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yes, it's that part of any of these movies. And then that's about where we get to by the end. Then there's a big battle at the end, and they defeat the, like, mini-boss... Yeah. Temporary. Who then gets resurrected. Yeah. And yeah. we get a heel turn right before that, where it turns out that one of them set them all up. The one That's who... the only person I knew in this movie. And I don't even know where I know him from. But... Charlie Hunnam. He's the he's the Sons of Anarchy guy. I didn't watch Sons of Anarchy, but And he was in Undeclared. Okay. And Maybe that uh, is... Pacific Rim. I did not see Pacific Rim. Um, but anytime I see him, I can only see him as his human self. Like his, I don't see him as an actor. I just see him as Charlie. I thought he his name was. No. Well, also it's his Hunnam. trademark that'll help you is, uh, he's always doing some kind of distracting accent in whatever project he's doing. Did, was that his accent? No, also, that's not his normal. His <laughs> yeah. I believe he's. Is he British, Andy? He does have an accent, but he it's not British. that one. Yeah. I like to describe him as Wyatt Russell without the charm. <laughs> yeah, I, it is fair to say that any role that he's played could be played by Wyatt Russell. He's like it should have been. Yeah. Embodiment of like stomp, clap, hey music. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect description of him. Like particularly in this movie too. Like wearing like analog suspenders and like. He is the most distracting. Would you guys agree that like he's the most distracting one in this movie and that like you don't feel like you're a space character. You feel like you're this Whoa. guy. <laughs> yeah. Even Beardy like Corey Stoll feels more like a space character. <laughs> yeah. And he's like the only character that frequents space because like the people on the planet Velt from the beginning, like they don't star travel. No. They're visited by spacemen. They're simple farmers. Except for Gunner, who is a capitalist. 
Fuck yeah. him forever. Yeah. <laughs> the, honestly, the probably the best villain in the movie. <laughs> just immediately. Yeah, like sells out his own people <laughs> to the like Imperial Army. Um, yeah, immediately. Which I this is where I will give Snyder credit of. I love that there is a scene of them all planning what they're going to do when the Imperial Army shows up, and then this asshole. Five seconds after they land is like, I'll give you whatever you want. Kill this like, no, guy. I think we do have plenty of <laughs> surplus of grain to sell you. I think he forgot about Shut our extra up. grain we've been hoarding. <laughs> to sell to the rebels. You know that grain. Yeah. Yeah, that guy sucks. Uh, um, okay, I do have two silver linings to this movie. Unless there's something else we were supposed to do right now. Oh, well, we, I think those I, are usually I'm at the not end. done maligning it. Yeah, yeah. We well, got to yeah, get Continue this out of our system first. And okay, then, great. But yeah. I'm happy to hear that we have counting year two, three silver linings that I know of. So yeah, there are a couple. Uh, um, so I don't know. One thing I want to talk about is the fact that actual cast members in this movie have more space names than the actual characters in the movie. Go that on. Is- <laughs> so. Uh, Cora, our lead, is played by Sophia Butella, which just sounds like a Barbarella type name. Yeah, or a character that is married to one of the mafiosos on The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis, the cyborg swordmaster, is played by Duna Bay. That's a, yeah, that is a That's Star a Wars name. That's a great space. That's a Star Wars name. Um, oh, Tarak, the nobleman turned blacksmith with the ability to bond with animals. His real name is Staz Nair. That's not a, That's a very spacey name. Yeah. That's, that is a Star Wars name. Yeah. Uh, the guy who plays the uh, the tyrant emperor, Belisarius, his name is Fra Fee. Oh, <laughs> they do all have spacier names. Yeah. Um, then there is just a great name. So Devra Bloodaxe is one of the rebel like leaders. That's a great name. Her real name, Cleopatra Coleman. That's huh. amazing. Which is the dopest name ever. It really is. Yeah. Um, and then probably the craziest name, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I really, here's the thing. I thought you were going to say Jenna Malone. I really was prepared. <laughs> I, 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 was, I tossed a coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does have friend of the show, Jenna Malone. Yes. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, can we malign the naming conventions in this movie, which were extremely Star Wars based? Like, What's his name? Noble. And then Jenna Malone's character is Harmanda. <laughs> Which definitely feels like you wrote Amanda and then we're like, we got to make it spacey. Uh, got to make it space. <laughs> yeah. So um, we got to make sure people know that she's dangerous. She can cause you harm. Harmanda. Got it. Harmanda like, does sound like a dope roller derby name. Harmanda. Yeah. yeah. I would like better than for this <laughs> his character. So any, any, uh, burgeoning derby stars out there a gift from us to you harmanda harmanda blood axe <laughs> perfect yeah but yeah everyone's name is extremely silly yeah um there's just a guy named den like, that's <laughs> stupid i i'm but, also like, he comes up again right he comes up once in the beginning and that's it yeah yeah well, that's another thing about this movie is there's a lot of characters that are not terribly memorable that don't have a lot of screen time, which makes them hard to keep track of. Yeah, it's um, like every Stomp Clap Hay Villager. 
I also, by the way, because we brought up Jenna Malone, I only knew that that was her. I don't know if either of you recognized Jenna Malone, but I had I follow her on Instagram, and I had seen behind the scenes stuff. Otherwise, I would not have known. Uh, the face looks enough like Jenna Malone because yeah. she's a weird spider monster in real life, <laughs> <laughs> and in the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, if Jenna Malone could be whatever she wants, I adore her. Yes. I'm always overjoyed when she's in things. No, I was very uh, excited to know that she, she was did a good this. job. Yeah. That character went extremely hard. And, yeah. she, and that, that scene had next to no impact on anything in the movie. That was the most video game scene I have ever seen in a movie. Where yeah, that, that, that scene just screamed mini boss. Yes. That's harder <laughs> than the actual boss. Yeah, 100%. I feel like when she was running into battle, it looked really video gamey. Everyone in the movie looks vaguely AI generated and like with a weird, they look like, um, they don't look like Polar Express, but like if I were being- There's like a, 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 a touch of Uncanny Valley going on. Well, yeah. I would agree with that, yeah. I think part of it too, cause I was, the thing I was reading about while watching this, Andy, was uh, that- Your work emails? Uh, well, because Snyder used to shoot on film, but part of filming for Netflix is that they want to have a high dynamic range, so they kind of demand that you use digital cameras. And I say all that to say that I think Snyder's slow-mo uh, use combined with super high definition cameras is a lot of why it looks the way that it does. That sounds right. Because it, it like when he uses film, it kind of has that grainy, you know, Batman v Superman kind of quality to it that I think makes it look a little more authentic or a little more stylistic. But this you see everything when it's oh, slow-mo. Yeah. This movie is just so sterile with the way it looks. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. It, which is very derivative of the Star Wars prequel. So, you know, nailed it. True. Those are the thing. cleanest things in the world. That is one of the things that I would malign in this movie that I normally wouldn't about a Zack. Like one of, I think, the most compelling arguments for Zack Snyder as a filmmaker is that his movies are very stylized and there is like a an element of visual interest, even if it is maybe a little overwhelming. Um, and th yeah, this movie like didn't have any of that. Like nothing cool happens for like 45 minutes and then you get like a couple cool things, but like, yeah, nothing that would compare even to Sucker Punch, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like battles or fights or, you know, anything. Yeah. It's weird to say that. Yeah. That he, I don't think he went hard enough on Star Wars like that. It, yeah, it, it feels weirdly safe for a Zack Snyder movie, which is strange. Which is not usually something you say about Zack Snyder. No. But it has this like safe tone, but then maintains like elements of like wild violence and like trying to be very edgy. Like there's that, um, there's a scene where they like try to rape a girl that I would imagine would be like 13 to 15, maybe. Um, a and teenager, most likely. Yeah, that's pretty gross. And then, um, just throughout the movie, like sometimes when they fight or when there's a battle, like it'll be very like um, graphically violent, like um, Noble. Extremely bloodless. Yeah. But like Noble hits that one alien in the, he hits an alien in the face and his whole face comes off. And it's yeah. like really over the top for what, uh, yeah, the tone of the movie, it seems like. 
Yeah, it it's I don't know if he tried because you would have to imagine if somehow Disney had made this, it would have been all of that would have been gone. So I don't know if those were choices to distinguish it because I don't think they were successful if that was the intent. But yeah, it just becomes a weird kind of mismatch because it's like this is a lot like Star Wars, except when it's way too violent and, you know, totally off. I think on the whole, like you can argue that Star Wars are violent movies like they're called wars. Yeah, but. You know, but like and there's many fight scenes and laser battles and things like that. But like it's all bloodless and it doesn't seem weird. And in this movie, it's so weird that there's no blood. Right. And it's also I mean, to take it back to the reason that uh, Zack Snyder's idea was to do a a Seven Samurai thing is because Kurosawa's uh, films were a big influence on George Lucas. And those also have that kind of bloodless violence that makes sense right in you know those as well but like so he's influenced by these things that are well, and and just like there are at least four episodes of the mandalorian that are better interpretations of seven samurai than this movie is the the mandalorian had a, at least one a season where he'd end up in some town and have to protect the, the he'd have simple to seven folk. samurai some yeah. <laughs> local indigenous population wasn't there there was one where he fought an at at right like i remember yeah that that episode is literally seven it's literally the plot of seven samurai right, like that's what almost I'm saying. to the letter <laughs> yes i remember that episode yeah but there's like but he that is a, a, a go to when they they need a, a a freak of the week episode for Mando to deal with is, yeah, oh, let's just have seven, seven samurai this town. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I I might be ready to pivot soon. I don't know that I have anything else. Um, I mean, broadly, there are so many things to say about it not being a great movie. Um But I did want to go back to one thing that we talked about earlier about like it is kind of more shallow than maybe even other Zack Snyder movies, I would say. Like, do either one of you, have you watched the Orville at all? No. Okay. I've watched a couple episodes. Joel, uh, I know that you're a Star Trek fan. You are making a mistake. The oh, Orville really? Is such a, Ten toes down. The Orville is such a good show. I love it. Well, but, I, I, I trust you in endorsing it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... The first season is definitely like a remix of different Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. Like this character will have a character trait from Worf and from like, I don't know, Wesley Crusher. And like, oh, he's one character, but you can like very clearly see where these things are coming from. And I found this movie to be like exactly like that for Star Wars. It's just like a remix of things that have already happened that like maybe... um, if there was like some additional, I don't know, twist like or insight or yeah, like anything. Yeah, this character is Han Solo and a tree. <laughs> yeah. Is that Groot? Like, is that a description of Groot? <laughs> no, it's just dull. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> I feel like um, and maybe this will be the last thing I say about it uh, on the negative because I do have positive things to say. Um. I feel like uh, when this movie is all about assembling a team, but I had no investment at all in any individual teammate or the team as a whole. Agreed. Yes. Or the town that needed defending. 
I mean, honestly, but like, <laughs> sorry, there's a car behind me. Uh, but, um, yeah, like this movie is like an ultimate tell not show. Like she, the main character tells her tragic backstory, but like, I don't feel any investment because I don't, I don't know, see her interacting with people in the current there's no like contrast between her character now and what she had been through. So like it just, all of it was the same. Well, yeah. it's one of those things where like, it's a lot, it's all shown with flashbacks and voiceover. So it's pretending to show, but it's really just telling. Right. Yeah. Which there were what, at least two long flashback scenes. If not, was there a third, there might've been a third one. But... There may have been 12. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, like legit, not like flashes of something terrible, legit, like we, you know, wavy lines were back in that scene and spend 15 minutes there. No but star then, but, wipes, by the way, in this movie. Not a yeah, single not, star wipe. No, yeah, no, no crossfades. Um, yeah. Well, and that's like, and then when Jimmy the Robot, voiced by Anthony Hopkins, when he goes on his, which is the clip that we played for the opening. When he goes on his story, it's just a two shot of him and the girl that gets threatened later on. Yeah. And she puts flowers like a, a crown of flowers on his head. at the Yes. End. And, and and then the one of the last shots of the movie is him with antlers, like leading a battalion to get ready for the fight or something. Yeah. It was also that robot is named JC. <laughs> and I want everyone to remember that when we talk about predictions. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, Snyder does love his Jesus imagery. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was also funny because when I pulled that clip, I was like, oh, I'll get the Anthony Hopkins clip because I love Anthony Hopkins and it's him talking. And that we, I figured we'd all enjoy that. I had to edit that down so much to get it to a reasonable length because that story is so long. Um, But I, all that being said, I think I'm ready to uh, to pivot to the silver linings. Yeah. Um. I Although I, I want to say I don't. This is a silver lining both because it's the discussion that Joel and I had via text while watching this. Uh, but the movie opens with a portal in space mm -hmm. that can only be described as vaginal. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. And I by only I mean, it's a vagina. No, and it's it, this is not our take. Like Andy and I did text about it when we were watching it. But if you even do the briefest of uh, readings of reactions to people. We are definitely not alone in thinking that. No, I wrote a little asterisk and wrote very vaginal space hole. See, it is. <laughs> it's the only way to describe it. And and then the penis ship goes through it. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I like about Snyder, because if you're ever like, you know, that space hole looks kind of vaginal, but I'm not sure he's going to let you know his intent. <laughs> He's like, ready to put a hat on a hat. <laughs> I, I almost expected lower the lower third to read space vagina. <laughs> this, like, well, that's one one other thing to malign. I'm sorry, but like the way like the lower third slash upper third subtitles were added in was just like weirdly named. Like, yeah, sometimes it was like farm planet Velt. Yeah. And other times it was like Velt farm planet. Yeah. And it was just there's weird inconsistencies, but works silver lining this thing. <laughs> I also just based on what Aaron said, I just am now thinking of Zack Snyder is a director who wears a lot of hats, but that's just because he's hat on hat. 
<laughs> it's just six He's like, hats. He's like, let me put my writer hat on, but he doesn't take off his director hat. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just the many hats of Bartholomew Cubbins yes. actually brought to life in a real human being. Yes. Uh, I have, this is, this is not about the content of the movie, but I think to go back to where we started this, I think the thing that encapsulates my feeling on Zack Snyder so much is I did not enjoy watching this film, but I love him forever because he put Ray Fisher in it. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. And it's, if people don't know, that was like the whole thing with justice league where, you know, Snyder, when he got replaced by Joss Whedon, like Whedon was terrible to Ray Fisher and his part was greatly cut and he was treated pretty terribly by Warner brothers as well. And so just the, it, whatever else you say about Zack Snyder, he's a good dude and that he's like, yeah. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. If you remember that, uh, that Ray Fisher was supposed to be, his character Cyborg was sort of supposed to be like the emotional core of the Justice League uh, in the Snyder version. And there's enough footage to kind of bring it home in the Snyder cut. But yeah, uh, yeah, Whedon was just a monster. To and, and immediately came um, in and was like, let's cut all of his scenes. Like, this guy is not important. I'm cutting everything. Hmm. Yeah. And which you can read, there's tons to say about that. But the thing for this, and for, yeah. Yeah. Zack Snyder just, of course, the next project he did brought Ray Fisher on board. And I just, I do love him and respect him for that because yeah, he, he stands he's a by. Good dude. He really is. He's genuinely, objectively a good person. And I won't hear any, any, any other arguments. Yep. Okay. So here's. This is like a backhanded silver lining. Yeah, we um, love those. Are I, our favorite. I stand by it. Uh, it's a weird aesthetic, but I respect a big swing. Like sure. I don't think it was successfully executed, but like okay, you tried something and it was new. Yeah, and that was a good try. Yeah, considering so, that, like when we did similarly derivative space opera, Jupiter Ascending. Uh, and we gave a silver lining to um, Eddie Redmayne for just taking a swing at that awful character. Yeah, that's that that always counts as a silver lining on on the on the pod. Yeah, I would put it closer to another movie. We all we to be clear, we started this podcast by doing Star Wars films, so it is embedded into all of this. But we also did a film uh, called Star Crash that was uh, definitely a. I, I'd put it closer to that category of derivative of Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yes, if you haven't seen Star Crash, Aaron, it's it's a movie. It, it's it's memorable. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, but yeah, uh, you you had said you had two. So what's your other one? Well, I have many. I have so I have so more. Um, but the I will say also about the aesthetic, like there were some good things, but uh, overall, it looked like. When you go to see a band and every band member is dressed like they're in a different kind of band, yep. like that's how I would describe all the outfits in this movie. Like some of them were cool, but they didn't go together. Um, I liked that the movie was really sex positive. Like that guy was like, "Go have sex," so the seeds are like, "Well," <laughs> and then something else sex positive happened, and I was like, "That's a silver lining." Yeah. Okay. It, again, I, in the like, I wish the town was a little more me memorable. There was definitely some kind of 
midsummer wicker man implication that whatever festival was supposed to be about to happen was definitely going to be like heavily sex positive like a lot of orgy was part of the tradition like you could tell yeah definitely we were about to have an orgy and then you know the imperialists show up these a-holes show up (laughs) exactly the way i described like the town though it's like it had like Back to the Future three vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And Amish Back to the Future three. Yeah. Uh, Which let's start a campaign to get Tom Wilson in the I'm sure already filmed part two, <laughs> but let's let's get. Biff that's Tannen my prediction in there. that Tom Wilson is revealed to be the real hero in all of this. <laughs> Another, by Tom. all accounts, a genuinely good human being. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I know. I think speaking to how good a dude Zack Snyder is, regardless of the quality of his movies, it seems like people one enjoy work, enjoy being in his movies, and I, it seems like they enjoy making his movies. Yeah, and he so he gets good people to like. Corey Stoll is awesome. Anthony Hopkins is awesome. Jenna Malone is awesome. Charlie Hunnam's a person. Like you know, there's a lot. <laughs> But, but you know, Ed Screen, I think, is really good. He plays the sort of mini boss villain. Um, but there's a lot of good actors in this movie. I do like I, I watched a, a YouTube thing that Netflix put together of like a behind the scenes thing. And it was really fun to watch Zack Snyder kind of the, the scene where the I can't remember the protagonist name, but where she throws the axe you know Cora like when she kind of makes her decision to get involved where he's kind of crouching down and they're like going over how to throw the axe and like it just does look like a fun set like I definitely got the vibe that you get to play around and again like throw axes and do fun things um so another positive for me uh at one point there's some background chanting and it reminded me of Halo (laughs) Fair. So I did that. Um, I wrote this movie makes me ask a lot of questions as a positive um, halfway through. Um, oh, I do love that she was about to kill that guy when she was a little girl. When yeah. they flash back and he killed her, fa- like the main bad guy kills her family. And he's like, he puts a gun to his chin and tells her to pull the trigger. And she's a child and she fucking does. And I liked that. Yeah, that was a cool scene. Yeah, you guys are really bringing a lot of enthusiasm to this. <laughs> I, I liked the I liked the scene where the robot saved did the hostage square off shooting in the head. That was good. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, I mean, you love to see um, some people get what's coming to them. Also, Anthony Hopkins with his little uh, crown of flowers. I did. Yeah. I liked I liked the way the robot looked like I, I did think it was a good robot design. Yeah. At first, I was a little put off because it's like a weird mix of like a militaristic robot, but with also like a bunch of filigree. And it was like, that's a choice. But it, I, I came around. And I was like, you know what? No, that kind of like this is probably the best example of him showing not telling by explaining the type of world the robot came from. Yeah. And like 
like that was without like hitting it over the head with a hammer the way he did for any other character he revealed backstory about. Well, and I thought it was good showing not telling of when the villain shot the robot because it's like, oh, they're just stupid robots. Like I can just shoot them. Like, that's good. OK, I get who that guy is. Yeah. Um, Another positive uh, was Jenna Malone. Uh, yeah. That was a very scary spider. That was a very effective. They did it. That was right. Um, and her character is so bitter and she does a good job. And I liked how mad she was. No, that so scene was, was I, I would probably say that was my favorite scene in the movie. Like it was really yeah. fun and dynamic to watch and like defeating her looked really satisfying. Yeah. No, she was like. For just such a non non scene as far as consequence, like it was like it distracted me away from the things that were distracting me away from the movie or it distracted me back to the movie. One, cause it's Jenna Malone who I love. And two, because like, she like, I would love to see her actually be the lead villain in a thing. I think she'd be great at it. Yeah. 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 And I, I, it's amazing. We've made it this far without talking about it, but uh, I did love, I believe she's defeated. If I remember correctly with one of their, definitely not a lightsaber laser swords. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I just enjoyed existed because I wonder how many meetings they had with the VFX team to decide how close they could make them look to lightsabers while slightly differentiating them. It's like, all right, well, if we just have like a laser edge, but then there's <laughs> yeah. like an actual like like an actual like dull edge that's not a that's not a laser. Yeah. That'll do. I, I did like I actually think I'm talking myself into this being a silver lining of the things that were almost Star Wars, but barely changed the the way the the villains, all the imperialists were dressed was so close to like the way the officers are dressed in Star Wars. And I kind of loved that as well. Well, it was like, I mean, clearly the the whole uh, empire is very inspired by like Nazi Germany. And these guys are like, no, we're just going to dress like space Nazi. We're actually going to be space yeah. Nazis. Yeah. 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 Also, what my note was. Yeah. They yeah, really I just went for it. I definitely think, yeah, that, that is probably the apt term for them is, yeah, they just were dressed like space Nazis. Like even more than Starship Troopers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, really close to the line there. I was, there was a minute where I was like, mm, Zack Snyder, what are you doing? But uh, no, they were, it was a very uh, memorable outfit. But that is, that's a wild thing that I remember learning that in, uh, I took this uh, class in college where we were studying film and where we actually looked at the original Star Wars and realized how much George Lucas took shots from Triumph of the Wills. And it's oh, yeah. really weird when you actually see that he was and like, not just the villain shots. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, that's the thing where it kind of breaks down where you're like, okay, I understand what he's doing until the award, the medal ceremony at the Which end of Star is Wars. the last scene of Triumph of the yeah. Will. Yeah, so you do that. I'm sure there's YouTube videos now yeah. about it. But I, As someone who extensively, like I took like multiple courses on German cinema and specifically Lenny Riefenstahl. And so, yeah, like it's it's not subtle. No, yeah, we definitely like broke it down in the class, <laughs> like looked at it. Like shot by yeah, side by side comparison. So like that definitely is if you're ripping off Star Wars, that is embedded into. I also, yeah. but but we haven't mentioned it, but I'm also a fan of doing a knockoff of Star Wars because admittedly from George Lucas, 
Star Wars was created because he wanted to do Flash Gordon and couldn't. Mm -hmm. So I think there is something full circle about a new movie coming out because someone wanted to do Star Wars and couldn't. Right. Is that it's like he he wanted to knock off. He wanted to do Flash Gordon, but couldn't loved Hidden Fortress, another Kurosawa film. So he made Star Wars. Right. And so for Zack Snyder to go like, well, I love Star Wars and Kurosawa, so I'll do this. Yeah, I mean. Respect. Make it yeah. happen. Do you it's know great. what? I'm gonna, this isn't a silver lining, but I'm just going to throw this out there because it's Andy and I, I feel like have a lot of conversations about even how good is most Star Wars when you really look at it. Uh, and and I say that to say that I'm like, I think the more of it, things that are either are in the Star Wars universe or adjacent to it, I think you realize how special the alchemy of that original trilogy was. And I also just think how much Han Solo added to that movie. And I think that's the character that has never been replicated successfully in anything else that I've ever seen. What? The closest is Lone Star. Character Kai didn't do it for you? I mean, let me check my notes to remember who that was. (laughs) 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 Even in the film Solo, I didn't think that they had Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a cool battle in the beginning of the movie that looked okay. Uh, there was like a space battle that was good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, and I kind of love that. It was, there was just like one shot. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, that was, that was, that was uh, fun. I do <laughs> like. Okay, so like, this is another backhanded silver lining. I like how much Zack Snyder loves the fight but is so unclear on who the man is and how to fight the man and like <laughs> all of that kind of stuff that it's like, you can tell though it's in his heart that he's like, yes, solidarity fighting the, the power, but like, well, he loves to rage against the machine. He does not know what the machine is. <laughs> right. It's yes. his washing machine. He actually, <laughs> it's the printer. Because, like, I feel like this also was, like, a call to, like, yeah, like, a call to oppressed people to fight. And, like, it did not oppression. that inspiration, really. like Nebulous, formless oppression. But it does feel like if you asked him about it, he'd be like, I just think it's really messed up that if you farm, that you're not paid fairly for <laughs> your crops. That's what I wanted yeah. to really talk about. He would be like, that's not good. And you'd be like, you know what? You're right, Zack Snyder. It isn't good. Because they grew those crops, and when the, the bad guys showed up, they wanted all of them for no money. Si se puede, Zack Snyder. <laughs> si se puede. Right. You got it. Um, but yeah, so like, I can't, I can't stand by this particular film. <laughs> um, but the catalog, I I don't think it remains unblemished where would you would you rank this bottom of the Zack Snyder films that you've seen I mean I haven't seen Owl's Ghoul but (laughs) that's what I said of the ones you've seen oh um, (laughs) yeah the one I would rank this at the bottom of the movies I've seen (laughs) (laughs) oh well that's that's the advantage that Andy and I have of doing this podcast it's not in the bottom of movies we've watched for this podcast (laughs) yeah uh I, I don't know if we mentioned this since you've last been on. Um, 
this movie has ruined our barometer for what a bad movie makes this podcast yeah this podcast, oh, yeah. yeah yeah because like that's it's not this is not good but i'm like this it, snyder's too good at making movies for it to be as bad as some of the things that's that we've fair. watched yeah like, to be as bad as say garfield a tale of two kitties yeah. or caddyshack 2 <laughs> or any of the mockbusters we watched with sean lotta over the summer yeah because as empty as it is like snyder at least has a sense of pacing and visual interest which uh caddyshack 2 does not we've watched five different telepathic animal movies we have wow yeah we've also had a telepathic animal in it that's fair yeah <laughs> yeah we did oh we didn't even Charlie talk about Hunnam. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the how to train your dragon scene in this movie <laughs> which was just the hippogriff scene from harry potter 3 yeah okay my notebook just fell down because i was so frustrated that man was indentured, like working for the owner of that farm. And all he had to do was train that animal and then he could be free. And it took him 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a real mixed bag for him of like, on the one hand, you're free. But on the other hand, don't think about how sooner you could have gotten out of there. Um, one thing, yeah, that I glossed over in the beginning, though, is that this is a two-parter. Right. Yeah. I think we should make our predictions for what this, the future holds. Yeah, which the, first the of all, I think because we did clear this with you, I think we can officially announce and tease for the audience now that you have <laughs> agreed to come back and discuss part two. Inevitably. Yeah. I will watch this movie in all its forms. Like when I saw that there was a director's cut, I was like, can't wait. Oh, <laughs> I do think we all have to come back here if there's a four hour cut of this. I do think we actually have to watch it. <laughs> Like, I, I wish I, I could say no, but all I can say is yes. What if the four-hour cut was this exact movie, but Anthony Hopkins' story is two hours longer? <laughs> that would be an objective improvement. <laughs> all right, I'm here. For, release the Snyder cut. All right, Aaron. I think you should start with predictions because you kind of teased yeah. one that I think you should get locked in. I 110 percent think this robot JC is going to sacrifice himself for the planet and be resurrected. Yeah. Like Robot Jesus. When you, yeah, when you said he had a crown of flowers, I felt like you stopped yourself from saying crown of thorns. Right. Like this yeah. man is a messiah. And even the um, antlers are kind of tipping at that as well, too. And wait, why? Th they kind of look like a crown of thorns. Oh, okay, yeah. They yeah. look thorny. Yeah. And, there, there. and also, again, as we've covered, Zack Snyder isn't subtle, so JC as initials are probably. Mm -hmm. But the weirdest thing is the robot is listed in all the credits as Jimmy. Jimmy the robot, which sounds like a character that Bender would owe money to in Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> but they only call him like JC1458 in the movie. Like no yeah. one calls him Jimmy. Nobody was checking anybody else's work in the making of this movie. <laughs> yeah, you notice that uh, if you look at the credits, script super supervisor is just blank. Yeah, it's just an ellipsis. <laughs> TBD. Yeah, like, the thing is, I feel like it's so hard to predict. Also, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Gunner. He's, like, being brave. I don't know. I hate him and <laughs> don't care about his story at all. Um, but it's impossible, I feel like, to predict what's going to happen because... Like I said, like it's all these tropes that are mixed up in a blender, but none of them follow 
any sort of like normal storytelling pattern. So right. it's like impossible to know what's going to happen. All right, I'm going to make so a I'm, I'm going to make a vague one because I yeah. think I'm going to go with that logic and just say they go to a volcano planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll sure. That yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that the next movie is going to feature a montage of the rebels training the people of Velt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do the the montage. To, yeah. to like swing sticks and stab with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. like they'll all move together, like, yeah, you know, or something. Yeah, yep. yeah. That scene's going to happen in the next one. Um, right. I'm also going to make a prediction. I don't know who it's going to be, but the next movie is going to have a surprising actor in it. Someone will be like, oh, they're in this? Yeah, I could... You know what? I'm going to go this. I'm going to go a little more specific. I'm going to say Jenna Malone is in the sequel as a different character with a lot of like prosthetic makeup and is unrecognizable again. I could see that. Yeah. And I also predict that someone will be recast by T- as Tignatara. <laughs> <laughs> that would, see, he makes good choices. Yeah. We I love Tignatara. Yeah. I want, I feel like, Andy, we've been playing it safe. I feel like you and I should do like one crazy prediction. And Aaron, you can too if you want. But I, I feel like I want like, because those are pretty safe predictions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, they killed Charlie Hunnam, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not dead. That's my, I'm going to take a big swing and be like, they because they even teased resurrection of the other villains. So they're going to resurrect. Right, uh Atticus Noble gets resurrected he's gonna resurrect charlie hunnam and we're not done with him that's what i'm going with right before he died i wrote is he involved in a triple cross and then he (laughs) immediately died and i was like "Mm, i guess not (laughs) also we didn't mention it in the silver linings but i liked Zack snyder's take on the uh no country for old men uh, uh, killing someone with a bolt to the back of the head. Well, that, that's going to be my prediction is that the uh, Ad- Emperor Basilius or whatever is going to meet his end in the little suicide Hannibal Lecter stretcher thing yeah. with the bolt oh, to I the like back those. of the head. Yeah. I thought they were cool. Yeah. yeah. Except so for think- when they were Transformers. Why? Yeah. Which is, I think, how they got Anthony Hopkins on because he was also in one of those Transformers movies. So he I was. think he just loves space robots and he was also one of the little spinal, uh, <laughs> yeah prison. he was in the hand yeah that's right yep um i think my bold prediction is that the second one is going to have a sex scene that is as weirdly edited as the violence is in the first one oh that's so like slow-mo you think there's gonna be slow-mo it's gonna be slow-mo and like <laughs> but like where there should be nipples there's not gonna be anything it's gonna be weird mm. all right all right, my prediction is going to be. Um, I feel like the main character who we have not talked about very much because her like she's not given because she's a cipher <laughs> a lot to do. Yeah, like but with but a is dark made past. To be, she definitely has a dark past, <laughs> but she's like made to be a science fiction leading person. Like she has like the Linda Hamilton shoulders, like running around. Um, perfect action star. Um, I feel like the one, the girl that she was supposed to protect, who is also Jesus, maybe. 
<laughs> okay, can I one more prediction? Everyone in this movie is Jesus. That's what I'm predicting. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> the, the the second act of this of the sequel ends with just everyone getting everyone in this pose, the, just, like he did in Superman. It's there's like ten of them that go into the air and put their arms out in a crucifix pose and are all resurrected by the sun. I would believe that. Yeah. Um, I bet she has some sort of like. I don't know. I feel like the main character has like the opposite power, like murder, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm describing. <laughs> I do feel like there was, I, I'm not saying we're going to get a satisfactory explanation, but we got a bunch of flashbacks when she was young, but there's an implication that she got a high level of like John Wick-esque assassin training at some point mm -hmm. that we don't understand why. No, like, I feel like it's because Belisarius saw, like, that rage in her, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to trade. Like, a Gamora situation. Like, yeah. he just copied and pasted Gamora uh, into this movie. Um, that's actually, yeah, that's a pretty good prediction that may, well, and it is Star Wars. Like, maybe it literally will be something where the, the main boss is her either real or adopted. Well, he, is, he, like, adopted her. That was established in this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they already established it, yeah. I didn't yes, even remember it. that. So, no, yeah, impossible so it counts as a correct prediction. I predicted the thing that I saw. I did it. <laughs> You're reporting the news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, here, that's what I'll predict, though. A weird family connection since, yeah, it's Star Wars that someone will be someone's brother, sister, mother. Father. Well, yeah, because we need so we need the, the Leia reveal from right, right. Jedi. So we need a, another character to surprise be related to her, I guess. Yes. So it's the Jimmy robot. The robot. <laughs> I cannot I cannot believe they named that robot and then no one called him that name. It's killing me. Oh man, what if in the second one they did a like an Obi-Wan bit where it was like Jimmy the robot? That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> and then it's a human playing him a projected video. Yeah. <laughs> My mind just explodes. Let's hope. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Oh, and my final prediction, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Is that the second part will entirely redeem this first part. Ooh. Like, Ooh what a hot take so to end it on. I, okay, I'm, I can't predict that bold, but yeah, like, I, I love it. I, I And I'm rooting for you, because if you, you. if you land that, then we're all truly... Yeah, that is the biggest prediction, and I love it. Don't let me down, Zach. <laughs> All right, but Aaron, thank you so much for doing this. It is always a pleasure to have you on. Is there anything that you would like to make people aware of or point them to? Oh, good question. Uh, it is rough out there uh, right now, so just being nice to other people I think would be a step in the right direction. Um, a plug but, for kindness. Yeah. 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 Just period. Uh, but as always, you can uh, donate to your local abortion fund to help people access healthcare that they need. Um, I happen to be associated with the Baltimore abortion fund. Um, so that's a good one, but uh, there are funds all across the country. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Always a pleasure to have you, Aaron. Thank you. It's... Thank you for having me. And can't wait to have you back for the the one that brings it all home. I can't. Well, we're going to do it that week in April. I don't care what theme we're doing. We're just going to take a week off and do uh, 
the, oh, and the, <laughs> the next part is called the Scar Giver. Yes. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's her nickname. Okay. She has three names: Cora, Athelarius, or something, and Scar Giver. No stories about how she's given anyone a scar. None. <laughs> Maybe she's gonna turn into Heath Ledger's Joker in the next one. We can only hope. <laughs> scar Giver. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore, when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright, shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best. The worst. And everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out. Is, is it for, for-